Blog Talk Radio.
trust you, God. I trust you've worked it all out. Worked all things out. Well, God bless everyone this evening. You're listening to Reaching Out Radio International in the Word with your sister Pearl. What a privilege and what a blessing it is for me to be with you yet another time. God has been so good. He's always faithful. Uh, he always has a wonderful plan, and I am just thrilled. want to welcome all of our listening audience from around the world. Uh, thank God for you. And uh, I want you to know that uh, we're listening, not only for those of you that listen on the Internet, but now we're on Apple Podcast as well. Some of you are listening through Roku and other platforms. But wherever you happening to be listening uh, from tonight, I just want to bless you in the mighty name of Jesus that's above all names. If you've been listening uh, to your sister Pearl on this broadcast, you know that we have been uh, just going through a series that we heard from a wonderful song by the writer of uh, named Sinak. She wrote the song Waymaker. And we are going through some of the things that she identified as God being. He's a waymaker. Amen. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. So this broadcast your sister Pearl, we're going to be covering, you and I together, God being a promise keeper. Amen. And I know that he's a promise keeper. I, this is not just something that I've read about, but this is what I've experienced and what I am living right now. God is so faithful to his word, and he most certainly is a promise keeper. So before we go into the precious word of God, uh, this evening, or whenever you might happen to be listening to this broadcast, let's just go to him in a word of prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come humbly before you, grateful that you're such an awesome God, faithful to your promises, faithful to your character. You are everything that you told us that you are. And we're so blessed that we can be your children, the very apple of your eye. You make wonderful promises to us. And the beautiful thing about it is you always keep your promises. You never fail us, not even once. And we're so grateful, God, as I am about to share the message that you placed on my heart, you being a promise keeper, I pray that you remove all distraction, remove anything, any hindrance, any stumbling block that the enemy might use to try to keep us from really focusing on what you want to tell us in this hour. Bring this word home, and just as we've heard sung so beautifully by that artist, you are indeed a promise keeper. So help us to put all of our faith and our confidence in you. 
Lord God, help us to understand what it is that you want to say to us in this hour. We pray, O God, that you would bring us to a higher place in you, a higher place of faith and trust, total reliance and confidence in your word. Thank you, Father, for what you want to do. Be honored and be glorified. Be exalted within this next hour. I pray that I would uh, be forgotten, but that every word that I say that's coming from your throne room would be remembered. Not only this hour, but for the rest of our lives until you call us to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. So we're going to go straight into the word God being our promise keeper. And I'm going to start that word off with a wonderful promise from the book that's in the middle of your Bible. It's right smack in the middle of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's from the book of Psalm. And it's Psalm 145, verse 13. I'm reading uh, from the... New International Revised Version. And it's, now I won't be reading all of the verses from that version, but this particular one I'm reading, Psalm 145, verse 13, from the NIRV. Your kingdom is a kingdom that will last forever. Amen. Your rule will continue for all time to come. The Lord is faithful and will keep all of his promises. He is loving toward everything he has made. I want to say that again. Psalm 145 verse 13 from the NIRV. Your kingdom is a kingdom that will last forever. Your rule will continue for all time to come. The Lord is faithful and will keep all of his promises he is loving toward everything and i can put in everyone that he has made amen yahweh elohi israel there is none like you elohim in the heavens or in the earth you keeping covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. That's taken from Second Chronicles, chapter 6 and verse 14 from the Darby translation. Again, I'm going to read that one. Yahweh, Elohim, Israel, there is none like you, Elohim, in the heavens or in the earth, keeping covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. Second Chronicles chapter 6 verse 14 and what your sister Pearl read is taken from the Darby translation. Most of the verses that I'm going to be sharing tonight are going to come from the NIV or from most of the translations English that you have uh, you can be assured that you'll find whatever I'm sharing from the scriptures in the translation that you're reading. I want to share with you something from Dr. Skip Moen in his Hebrew word study, where he explains about God being Yahweh or our promise keeper. 
Dr. Skip Moen in his Hebrew word study explains that perhaps it would be instructive or helpful to look a little deeper into the idea of keeping covenant, Shomer Habrit, that means keeping covenant in the Hebrew, Shomer Habrit. The verb Shamar means more than keeping a promise. It also means preserving that promise, guarding it, watching over it carefully in order to sustain it or in order to keep it. It is the original verb of stewarding that we find in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Describing the assignment of the first couple. Many of you that have heard some of my previous teachings on In the Word with Sister Pearl on Reaching Out Radio International, you will know that many times I will discuss about Adam and about Eve, the first mother and the first father. And God had told them that they were to steward the Garden of Eden. And the same way that God told them to steward it, God stewards his word. So he keeps watch over his word. And when he promises to deliver something, he is not like Adam and Eve who had failed to be a good steward over what God had invested and committed to their care. But God, being different from humankind, or just a natural man or a woman, he stewards his word and he promises to keep it. It is also used to describe observing or maintaining. Solomon does not simply mean that God never breaks his word. He means that God takes whatever measures are necessary to ensure his word is never violated. It's not ignored, and it's not obeyed. Amen. I'm going to give you an example of God being a promise keeper, a covenant keeper, a promise keeper. If you remember, in Genesis chapter 17, the Bible tells us, and I'm going to read to you from Genesis 17, I'm going to read to you uh, seven verses from that book, the first book in the Bible Genesis, when Abraham was still called Abram, that was before God had promised to make him a great nation. So up until that time that his name was changed, he was called Abram. So in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, it reads like this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him again and said, I am God all-powerful. If you obey me and always do right, I will keep my solemn promise to you and give you more descendants that can be counted. Abram bowed with his face to the ground and God said, I promise that you will be the father of many nations. So now I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham. I will give you a lot of descendants and they will become great nations. Some of them will even be kings. I will always keep the promise I have made to you and your descendants because I am your God and their God. I will give you and them the land in which you are now a foreigner. 
I will give the whole land of Canaan to your family forever, and I will be their God. Wow. Now, I just read Genesis 17, verses 1 through 7. Now, when you read through Genesis 21, you'll see that indeed, at age 100, God gave Abraham a son, the child whom the Lord promised him. So what am I saying? I'm saying that when God gives you a promise, he will deliver and make good on that promise. Because as the message is tonight entitled, God is a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. He might give you that promise at one age, and you might not receive the results of that promise until you're another age. It could be the next year. It could be the same year. It could be several decades after you received the promise. But know without a shadow of a doubt that when God makes a promise, he will be keeping his promise. He will make good on the promise that he has made. And so in the case of Abraham, or Abram, when, he first, when God first started talking to him, God, and, and, and that was about, I believe that Abram must have been in his 90s, either 90 or in his 90s when he received the promise of God. And he, was, he had to wait until he was 100 years old to actually receive that promise from God. And God gave him the promised child, Isaac. But that didn't happen until he was already 100. And what am I saying? We don't know when God is going to deliver on his promise. But I can guarantee that God will make good on his promise to you in the land of the living while you're yet alive. And so, we see that God did deliver his promise to his servant, Abraham. Amen. And God did make him a father of many nations. And that's what the name change was all about. Because Abram was just his name. But when God named him Abraham, that means that he would be Abram, a father of many nations. I want to share with you, I cannot go into the details about my own uh, personal experiences, all of mine, especially what I'm going to share with you right now. But I can tell you that God took me from the nation where I was born and raised into another nation. And I was able to see God's promises unfold and God's promises delivered and made good in my life. In not only that nation that he took me to, which was a closed nation, but also in other nations. Like, for instance, one of the things that God had promised me is that he was going to use me to share his gospel uh, with people that were not of the same ethnic background or culture that God had taken me from and raised me in. And I can guarantee you, as you're listening to my voice today, that God made very good on that promise. Amen. 
He made very good on that promise. And he even told me through many uh, promises that he had given me in Scripture and confirmed in Scripture as I was praying and seeking his face and waiting upon him. He told me that he would bring my seed from the east. That has definitely come to pass. And God has done that. And so God is a God who I know. I'm not just sharing with you something that I know nothing about. But I have, I'm living in the promises of God. Amen. The word of God tells us in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not human, reading from the NIV, the New International Version. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I'm just reading that from Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. Another promise that we get in scripture in the New Testament is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. I remember that when God took me uh, from the United States and placed me in another nation, like the one that I just mentioned about, the closed nation, I remember that he had told me how he was going to use me to bless children and to bless their lives and to protect children that were abandoned and that were hurting and that were isolated and that they needed someone to care for them. And I remember in faith, the Lord had told me to go and buy some material that I would be using um, to cover the mattresses and to um, make bedding and to make curtains and to make pillowcases because I can sew. I'm not a great seamstress, but I know how to sew enough to make some simple things. And so I had bought with my coworker um, and my colleague, we had bought a wow Many, many, many yards of material, good cotton material. But I can tell you that it was roughly two years from the time that we bought the material to be able to be used in the beds and the cribs of actual babies. It was about two years from the time that we bought those um, yards and yards and yards of material, about two years time span from the time that we could actually start making them. Because we didn't have any babies to take care of. We didn't have any children to provide for. But we had just gone on a word that God had given us, that he would give us babies, and he would give us children that were abandoned and were in need. So sure enough, God was good to keep his promise. And that is a fact. So much so... That even though that material stayed uh, put away for months, and then months became a year, and then it became 18 months, and it was a good two years, if not more, that we were finally able to use that bunch of material 
Let me tell you, for the glory of God, that not only were we able to use those yards and yards and yards and yards of material and turn them into uh, mattresses, mattress covers, and curtains, and bed sheets, and all kinds of wonderful things, but God had not only caused us to have the children, but then the children began to grow. And I was able to actually see all of that material that we had bought in the initial stages become threadbare, where it was used so much, those materials were used so many times over the years that we had to discard of that and then get brand new material. And by that time, I was not the one that was sewing. But we had other local workers that were making new uh, mattress covers and new curtains and new bed sheets and new wonderful things, aprons that we needed for our workers. So just to show you that even though God might give you a promise and you are faithful to by faith go and make, go and first of all, it was a faith thing that we even went and bought material for the babies because we had no babies. We had no children to care for when God put it in my heart that he was going to use me and use the workers that he was going to bring alongside of me. We didn't have any any children. We didn't even have the workers yet, but God. God brought the children. He brought the workers. He brought everything that we were in need of. So Sister Pearl was able to see that material that I had seen just, you know, being stored in a corner for a couple of years and not even being used, flip it to several years later that that material was now so worn out from being used to care for some of the needs of those children. Why? Because God is a promise keeper. What he has promised he will surely bring it to pass. So I am talking from personal experience. And even if I did not have personal experience, what God says is good enough. What he promises, he will do. But I want to let you know that I am not just going off of someone's experience in the word of God. I am going off of experience what I have experienced personally as a servant and as a daughter of the Most High God. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Deuteronomy is one of the books in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 7 and 9 says it like this. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Another promise that we have is in the book of Joshua. Again, that's found in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 21 and verse 45. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. So every good promise that God had given to the nation of Israel, God fulfilled every last 
one. The same God who promised his chosen nation, Israel, and never failed on any of his good promises, will not fail you either, nor will he fail me. The children rescued, many of whom are now grown, young adults, and with whom some of them I have the privilege to know and I still interact, not with all of them, but with some of them I still interact with them, even though we got them as young infants, and now they're in their early 20s. Can you imagine how Sister Pearl feels when in the beginning God had only given a promise while in prayer? sometimes fasting and in prayer and then the Lord showed me clearly that he would use me to be a rescuer of those that were in need of those that were hurting of those that had been abandoned of those that had been thrown aside and now in the year 20 and 22 I know some of them very 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 well and I am so grateful to God to see how he had not only rescued them, but he has transformed their lives totally, changed the very trajectory of their lives. When the enemy meant evil for those precious little ones, now God has raised them to be mighty men, young men, young women that are serving him as young Joshua's, as young Deborah's today. My God, this is who our God is. He's an awesome God. That's how come I don't call anyone awesome except God. He's the only one that deserves our awe. And our reverence. The word of God tells us in Joshua chapter 23 and verse 14. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Then the Lord also reminds us in the book of Hebrew, in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, let us hold fast of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That promise is to you, believing child of God. Man of God, woman of God, I don't care what the circumstance, I don't care what the situation, I don't care what the condition is that you are faced with, how difficult it is, how it might look impossible. You and I are not to walk by sight, we are to walk by faith. So let me read Hebrews 10 and 23 again. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I repeat, <laughs> Yahweh 
Elohe, Israel, there is none like you, Elohim, in the heavens or in the earth. You're keeping covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. Second Chronicles 6.14 that I had read to you earlier on in the message. This is your God. This is my God. And even when we are hurting, even when things have not gone, listen to me now, have not gone the way that we would have liked them to go, you and I can claim God's promise in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Because he said to us that he's going to work all things together for our good. So I'm speaking right now to those of you that are going through very difficult times, very rough waters. The fires around you might be heated up seven times. And I'm I'm not talking, of course, about a, a physical fire. But the situation that you're going through might be very hot, might be very hard, might be very, you know, peculiar. Things might seem impossible. Looks like in the natural, God is not going to keep his promise. But I'm here to remind you that God will keep his promise to work even that very difficult hellish situation that God allowed you to be in, he's going to work it out for your good. He's going to work it out for his purposes because you love him, because you're called according to his plan and his will for your life. Now, I'm I'm talking about those that love him. That's what the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 28. It tells us, and let me read it again, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him. See, that is the condition. I have to be honest. This promise, this particular promise, is for those people that love God. So if you, man of God, woman of God, love him, you've got a sure promise that I don't care what it is, there is no exception, whatever hell-like experience, no matter how difficult, no matter how harsh, no matter how rough, no matter how painful, the experience is that you are experiencing right now, God promises if you love him, he is going to work that very experience out for your good. To bless you. It might not look like that right now. It might not feel like that right now, but guaranteed that very thing, and I'm speaking to myself too, I feel the presence of God right now for what I'm going through, 
God promises me that he's going to work that very painful experience out for my good. Why? Because he knows, hallelujah, that I love him. And he knows, man of God, that you love him. And he knows, woman of God, that you love him. And he knows, child of God, that you love him. And this is a sure promise. No matter what that situation is, no matter how dark it looks, God promises that he's going to work it together for your good. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of evil, I will fear no evil. Why? Some of you have heard me say this before. It says that I walk through the valley. When you walk through, that means there is an an opening to walk in. There's an entrance that you walked in, that God allowed you to walk in. But then there is an exit where you're walking out. So right now, you are walking through the valley. But you are coming out in Jesus' name. And God is working it out for your good. I'm going to say it for a third time. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those, here goes the condition, who love him. And who have been called according to his purposes and his plans. So that means that even that dark place That very difficult valley that you're walking through, God had called you to walk through that because he's working out his purposes to bring it for your good at the end. And you might say to me, Sister Perba, what what about me? I'm listening to you, but I, I really don't love God. I'm going to be keeping it real. I I really don't love God at this time in my life. I would just encourage those of you that would say that in honesty. First of all, I want to thank you for your sincerity. I want to thank you for keeping it real. Because the reality of it is God already knows that you don't love him. But you are listening to this broadcast because God loves you. How do you like that? You may not love God, but he definitely 100% loves you. And so what I would encourage you to do is surrender your life to him so that he might put his love in your heart for him. And then you can say, Like those other men and women who do love God, then you can say that you love him. God loves us to be real. God loves us to be honest. And then you can also have that promise that whatever you're going through, God will turn it around for your good. Because then you will be called according to his purpose. But just know that even though you that are listening to this broadcast and that you have not 
surrendered your life to him yet that God does love you. He's not waiting for you to first love him, for him to love you. The Bible says that God loved us when we weren't even thinking about him and that God first loved us. So just know that even though you don't love him, he loves you. And the reason, I repeat, that you're listening to Reaching Out Radio International, and right now you're listening to In the Word with Sister Pearl, and you're listening to this particular message, Promise Keeper, it's because God is calling you and wanting you, bringing you by his Holy Spirit to get to know him so that he might reveal his great love and plan for your life. Now, for those of us that are believing uh, children of God, of course, we have to use wisdom and, and not claim promises that were not specifically meant for us. There's some things that were meant for different ones at different times. For instance, the promise that was given to Abram, that he was going to be a father of many, many nations. That promise is not for us necessarily. That promise was specifically to that person, Abram. Amen. And I cannot claim if I'm, you know, in my 90s, which I'm not yet, but if God were to bless my life to see, you know, to see my 90s, um, I cannot claim that God's going to give me a child at age 90, and, and you might be in your 90s, and you cannot claim that God's going to give you a child in your 90s or when you're 100, because that was specifically for Abram, who God changed his name to Abraham. But the promises, we can certainly claim the promises that are clearly for us for us and for all that put their faith and confidence in, in Jesus Christ. For instance, again, to give you another example, even in the New Testament, that when Jesus told his disciples to go and, and pay the taxes and go and you're going to find fish, a fish and open his mouth and there's going to be a coin there, that does not apply to just every Christian that when we go fishing that we can open the mouth of the fish and there'll be coins. That was a specific word that God gave to his disciples at that time for that purpose. We cannot as believers now go and claim that we're going to find coins and we can pay our taxes by opening up the mouth of fish. However, again, we can certainly claim promises that are clearly meant for everyone who puts their faith and trust in God. For instance, I'm going to give you an example in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. It's repeated throughout scripture, that promise. It's clearly meant for all of us who place their confidence and trust in him. And what am I saying? Because the same promise is repeated in Isaiah 41, Isaiah 45, and also in the New Testament. Throughout the Gospels. And then in Hebrews, in the, you know, Hebrews 13 and verse 5. And what promise am I talking about? God promises that you and I would never be forsaken by him. He said that he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. 
He would be with us always. This is all throughout scripture. We can promise that his spirit is not going to leave us as long as we're on planet earth. He's not going to leave us alone. Even if everybody leaves us, even if all our family members forsake us, even if our best friends leave us, the Lord promises, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always, even until the ends of the earth. I'll be with you. Wow. And then you might say, well, well, Pearl, what about, you know, a promise that's not specifically described in the word of God? Well, God knows exactly what you and I need. And he said, I will supply your needs according to my riches and glory. That's found in Ephesians 3 and 20. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. And you and I can ask and think about a lot of good stuff. I mean, we can just think a lot of things. Of course, we have to learn to ask according to his will. I'll get into that in a minute. But God knows what you and I stand in need of. And he promises that he will meet our needs. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who knows what we stand in need of. And he goes ahead of us and he supplies what we need. Now, the promises. John chapter 14 Verse 13 and verse 14. He said, this is the Lord Jesus himself. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. That's a promise from the Lord. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name. And I will do it. Wow, what a promise from the Lord. What a promise from God. But then again, I have to give you a little understanding that there's a condition to that. That that asking anything in his name. The Bible tells us the same writer, John, qualifies that promise in first john chapter 5 so now the apostle who wrote down what jesus had said having been one of the closest disciples around the lord jesus so he heard him very clearly and he wrote down exactly what jesus said jesus said If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But then John qualifies that in John chapter 5, verse 14. So now we're talking about the epistle written by the apostle John. This is not in the gospel of John now. This is near the end of the New Testament in the epistles. And this is now in the first epistle According to St. John chapter 5 and verse 14, here goes the qualification. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, here goes the little caveat now, according to 
his will. So when we ask God, we've got to ask according to the will of God. To the will of God. Amen. We don't just ask anything, you know, Lord, I want, you know, ten Rolls Royces. I want, you know, to live in a mansion. I want this and I want that. No, we are going to ask according to the will of God. Amen. According to the will of God. For we know that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. So when we come before God, we ask according to him. We ask according to his will. And when we ask according to his will, we know that he hears us. We know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, once we know that he hears us, then we can ask. And that thing that we're asking for, we know that we have it because we have asked according to his will. Amen. Amen. Isn't God great? God is so awesome. God is so great. And God is so kind. And God is a promise keeper. And we can ask in confidence, knowing that whatever you ask in my name, the Father may be glorified, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything, of course, according to his will, in his name. And he promises He's going to do it. So God knows what you stand in need of. God knows what I stand in need of. And God will hear an answer. That's a promise. What we're asking. Amen. The Holy Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 9, just to give you an example of God being faithful to his promises. He said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, it was prophesied to us in the Word of God Thousands of years ago, that Jesus, God, the Son, would come to the earth and would do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He would pay the price on Calvary to redeem us from the penalty of our sin. The penalty of our sin is death. Now that was prophesied before Jesus came on the earth in the flesh, fully God yet fully man. So thousands of years before he came, it was prophesied to the people of God that he would come 
and God being a faithful promise keeper, kept his promise. Then in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, there was another promise given. Clearly, it was prophesied that Jesus would give his life as a ransom in exchange for yours, in exchange for mine, like I just told you. When we sin before a holy God, the penalty for that sin is death. But God doesn't want us to be physically crucified and to be physically killed because of our sin. And even if we were to shed our blood, the blood that we shed is, is guilty blood. It is not blameless. We have offended. We have sinned. We have been guilty. Our blood can never pay for our sin. And the blood of any other human being can never pay the penalty for our sin because we've all been found sinful. And only the blood of a sinless one could pay the penalty. A righteous one could pay the penalty for our sins. And the only one who could do that was the Lord Jesus. So the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53, prophesied before Jesus ever came to planet Earth. It was prophesied in the Old Testament before God put on flesh and came down in the person of his son Jesus. It was prophesied in Isaiah 53, 4, and 6. Surely, and read the whole chapter, the entire chapter, as soon as you have the opportunity. I'm just going to read for the sake of time just these few verses, 4 through 6. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, not for his own. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But, but again, please read the entire chapter as soon as you have the opportunity. In the very same way, it was prophesied that Jesus would come to earth, live, suffer, and die. And the word of God also tells us clearly that he's returning. Of course, we know that he did come to earth he did live he 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 did suffer he did die but just like the word of god said and like jesus said he would be resurrected and surely surely he was resurrected from the dead and he was seen by so many thousands of people but now he's ascended and at the right hand of the father interceding for you and for me but this same Jesus that went and returned to his heavenly father, the word of God tells us in Revelation chapter 21, the apostle John says, then I saw, this was a vision that God gave the apostle John, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He has, he who has sealed, no, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write down for these words are trustworthy and true. Verse 6 of Revelation 21. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Verse 7, those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I just read Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. The Lord promised those of you that are listening on Reaching Out Radio International, the Lord promised to return. He will most definitely keep his good promise, just like he kept all of his other promises. The question is, are you ready for his imminent return? Imminent means his soon coming. The Bible tells us, Jesus told us himself in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17 of John 3. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So beloved, where do you stand? Are you going to believe God? I'm telling you, Believe God, and you will live. Cry out to him while you still have an opportunity. God hears you just where you are right now. He is willing to forgive you of your sins and bring you into life eternal so that you can say like me, we know that all things will work together for the good because you love God and because you're called to his purpose. He is a promise keeper. Guaranteed. Believe God and live. Till next time, this is your sister Pearl. I love you very much, but God loves you so much more. Stay tuned for the next episode 
of In the Word with Sister Pearl. We're going to talk about how God is light in the darkness. God bless you. I love you. But Jesus loves you more. Bye-bye.
Don't feel it, go work. Even when I don't feel it, go work. 